Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. The title of today's message is on Focus on the Future. When you read the Bible, you'll find that God does an excellent job in teaching us tremendous spiritual truths by explaining natural things that we can understand. But here in the book of Matthew in chapter 6, look at verse 19. Verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, and where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. So the reason for laying up treasure in heaven, and remember, you can only lay up treasure in heaven while you're living. So you can't wait till you die and think it doesn't matter. Evidently, there's something you're going to have when you get there. And God says, lay up treasures in heaven. So it says in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Is there anything in the Bible that God says about do's and don'ts? I've had people say, well, you know, you don't have to obey a whole bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. Well, there are things that God says to do, and there's things that God says don't do. But we want the freedom to choose those things that we do, and uh, we are free. You can obey or disobey. You can accept or reject. You can build or destroy. There's a lot of choices that we have in life. But he makes a statement here in verse 11, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you think about focusing upon the future, uh, how far into the future? Most people think about only what's coming this week or maybe next month or the next year, or they're thinking about retirement, but they're thinking about the future, but it's limited. When I'm talking about focus upon the future, I'm talking about eternity. And this is what Christ is talking about. So he says in verse 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. You were born into a world, God says, that you were blind. That means you could not see. And people are walking in darkness. And Christ is the light that came into the world so the people that were blind in the world could see. Like that song says, I once was blind, but now I see. It didn't mean he didn't have visual eyesight. Maybe he had 20-20. But he couldn't see. Couldn't see the things that God wanted him to see. So then he says here in verse 24, No man can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one, love the other. This is why a man's only supposed to have one wife. No, well, not really. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and man. In other words, you can't have one eye on eternal things and one eye on earthly things. You're going to love one or the other. So God says, make up your mind, get on one side of the fence or the other. The reason many Christians are struggling in their Christian life and they don't have too much victory in the Christian life is because they're fence straddlers. They haven't made up their mind or committed themselves which one they're going to focus upon. If you focus upon eternal things and eternal values, then while you're here, you want to lay up treasures for those so you see things differently. The focus upon eternity is what helps you to see clearly in this world. And if you don't, then you can't see and you're blind because you can't see the things that God wants you to see. And if you can't see, you can't walk the way you should because you don't have any eyes. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. So God is very clear in what he says. Here in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, there's two things that are mentioned in this verse. One is what you do to others and what others do to you. Because really that's what life is about concerning people. What they do to you, what you do to them. You can boil all kinds of things down under those two little headings. What people do to you and what you do to them. You probably treat everybody perfectly and they all treat you wrong, right? Sometimes we can't see exactly how we treat people. But sometimes we can be prejudiced and mean and ugly and unkind. We can. And sometimes not even see it. And sometimes somebody has to remind us of uh, our unkind ways. But God says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because how I treat somebody should not be based upon how somebody treats me. But I can see that if I'm focused upon future things. God's going to reward me, not for how people treat me, but by how I treat them. But once you see it and understand that, then everything can be all right. Otherwise, you're going to be very hurt and bitter through most of your life. And you will not be a happy individual. Not going to be a happy camper. The next thing I want you to see there is... Excuse me, verse 13. He says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So there's um, quite a few things in this verse that you could show the comparison to. Just like there was two things up in verse 12. There's two other things here in this verse. Uh, the narrow way and the broad way. And uh, the few and the many. Uh, it's a tremendous way in which you teach. You're always in comparison, trying to show something by comparing it with something. So God is comparing the things of eternity with the things of the world. The things of the world, he says, doesn't last. Which means that the things in heaven will last. So there's always this comparison. You reveal your wisdom by the decisions that you make. So you have the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. So there is a comparison. So God wants you to make your choice. God don't make the choices for you. Now he's, in a sense, given you the truth, and there's the things of the world, and you can believe. So you can be as happy as you want or as miserable as you want, based upon how you decide. It says there in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now let me ask you this. Do you know the difference between a sheep and a wolf? Do you know the difference between a sheep and a wolf? 
Sheep are not wolves, and wolves are not sheep. Things that are different are not the same. But now what if a wolf puts on sheep's clothing? Oh, now he's a sheep. Is he a sheep now? No, he's still a wolf. This looks like a sheep, but he's not a sheep. And as you go through life, you need to understand that God says that when he saved us and we're part of his fold, we're a part of his flock, are we wolves or are we sheep? Are we wolves or sheep? How does the shepherd look at us? Are we wolves or are we sheep? So if we are wolves, then we could understand why we should go through life devouring one another, right? If we were wolves, you'd expect wolves to act like a what? A wolf. And to devour one another. To destroy. All right, is that the will of God? No. Okay, so we're sheep. And he is the shepherd of the sheep. And many places in the scriptures we're called sheep. Does the sheep attack the wolves? No, sheep don't attack. So as sheep, he says, I want you to be harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent. Well, I don't know how wise a sheep is. Ones I've seen have been pretty dumb. I don't know if I'd stand there and let a wolf just start chewing on my neck. They have virtually no way of defending themselves. So there's wolves in the world that will attack you as a sheep. And so when they attack you as a sheep, remember, it's the wolf that devours the sheep. The sheep don't devour the wolf. The sheep has to totally trust the shepherd for protection. Yes or no? The Lord is my what? My shepherd. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The reason I have comfort is because not of my talent and my abilities, but because I have a shepherd who promised to watch after me. So you're the sheep. So when a wolf tries to rip you to shreds, that's what they do. You're not a wolf. We are supposed to trust our shepherd to fight our battles. The battle is the, the Lord's. Not by my might, not by my power, not by my strength, but by the Spirit of God, saith the Lord. So we are sheep, and there is a tremendous difference. Now look what else he says here. In verse 17, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. We have two trees, we got two fruits. Two trees, good tree, bad tree. Good tree brings forth good fruit, and a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. See how simple that is? Okay, which one are we? Are we a good tree or a bad tree? Well, if you understand what he said, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bring forth a good fruit. Impossible. So you know there's got to be an explanation to all of this. Here I am as an individual, born into this world with a sinful nature, and God says all of my works are as filthy rain. I cannot bring forth good fruit. Christ says there is none good, no, not one. Not one. So I am a tree that has bad fruit, so I must be a bad tree. Therefore, God has to cut down this tree. Everybody who's born into the world is a bad tree because we came from a bad tree. 
root. And because of a bad root, we got bad fruit. Is that how easy it is to understand? That's the whole human race. And God says, we all sin, we all die. But the good tree, that's the new tree. That's a different tree. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it says that when Christ was born, he was born raised up as a tender plant, root out of a dry ground. So he is a different tree. He didn't have a bad seed in him. So he is a good tree, and everything that he did was good. And everything we do is bad. So God said that he's going to cut down the bad trees, keep only the good trees. But there are no good trees. And so this good tree began to spread its good seeds, and everybody who will eat so-called the apple off of that good tree, it'll make them a good tree because they'll have a good seed with them. So years ago, uh, about 45, I recall, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I tasted and seen that the Lord was good. I was born into God's family. His seed was placed inside of me and took root, and I am now a child of God. My problem is I got two trees. I bring forth two kinds of fruit. I can bring forth the good fruit because I'm that tree, and I can bring forth the bad fruit because I'm a, a sinful tree. And I have got these two roots inside of me, and that's why I can bring forth two kinds of fruit. So whenever you try to discern whether or not it's somebody saved or lost, you can't tell. Because you might see good fruit one day and bad fruit the next day. Have you had the desire to do right and serve the Lord and at the same time you want to shoot that husband of yours? Then you look there in uh, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? So we have the will of God, the Father, and the will of man. They're opposites. They're not the same. God says, this is what I want you to do, except my son. This is what they did. They brought forth their good works. There's a difference. There's a contrast. So easy to see. But Christ taught this way, comparing, so that you could see and understand greater truths. And as you read this, you also find out there's something else that's uh, in here. There's two major results. He says in one, he says, talking about up there in verse 21, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's some who go, enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then down in verse 23, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me. So come on in. To depart. Is come on in and depart the same thing? That's not the same thing. But Christ is the one who taught this. Some are going in. Some are not. And I think it's a tremendous lesson. But there's something also in here that many people overlook. Look now in verse 24. Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I will liken unto him as a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And everybody knows the story. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Remember Sunday school? Oh, foolish man built his house upon the sand. So now Christ is talking about two houses. But what are the two houses? The two houses represents the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. He says... 
Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. That's the word of God. That's the wisdom of God. And doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Okay, so in spite of all these things now, he is comparing. Now here you and I are. And we're trying to make decisions for our life. Look here in Proverbs chapter 1 and look in verse 5. It's on page 672 in the Old School for Reference Bible. Verse 5 says, A wise man will hear, will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Look in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's a fool. He doesn't. Then he makes a statement here in chapter 2. Look in chapter 2. So that thou incline thine ear, verse 2, and apply thy heart to understanding. See, it's one thing to hear words of wisdom. You can hear words of wisdom. When you come and study the Bible, whether church, home, wherever, you're hearing words of wisdom. But understanding means you understood the words of wisdom. Hearing the words of wisdom doesn't make you wise. But did you understand what you said? So when Christ was here, he always trying to help the people to understand what he said. And he would say to his disciples, understand what I said? Did you understand that parable? Do you understand? Because sometimes you can go to church and you heard the Bible. I heard that a thousand times. But do you understand what was said? You really understand. Did you see it? Then he makes this statement here in verse 4. If thou seeketh her as silver, searcheth for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God to understand. When you search for her with all your heart. One of the greatest things that you can ever have is understanding what God is saying. Not just hear what he said. But he mentions this in the book of James. You know, you can be a hearer of the word and not a doer. Because you didn't really understand what he's talking about. I've given the gospel to people that heard the word, the clarity of the gospel, but not understand what I said. And then I would use this illustration. And then another illustration. I've won people to the Lord in three minutes, and I've had some that take me an hour and a half, two hours to reach. So you go over it. And then I've had some that I've talked to for several hours, and they never did get it. As clear as I can make it. And I couldn't get them to understand it. Verse 6 talks about, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And then he says down in verse 11, Discretion shall preserve the understanding shall keep thee. You have to understand what's being said. See, it's one thing to sit down and say, Well, I read my devotions this morning. Yeah, but did you understand what you're reading? Well, no. Then that's why you meditate. Meditate means to sit there and chew it over and over and over again like a cow chewing a cud. So shalt thou find favor and good, get this, understanding in the sight of God and man. Understanding. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You've got to understand from God's viewpoint what God is saying. Don't trust your judgment. You are limited in knowledge. You're limited in judgment. And therefore the conclusion uh, might be wrong. And yet it affects your life. You have to focus on the future. Focus on eternity. Verse 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. It's amazing how many times they put these things together to get wisdom. So the Bible refers to wisdom as a woman. As a woman. Now we know we talked about the two houses there in the book of Matthew. In verse 15, she... Talking about wisdom. 
She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. So the greatest thing that you can get in this life after trusting Christ as your Savior is wisdom. Okay, where are you going to get it from? From God. Why do you study the Bible? Why do you go to church? To learn the wisdom of God. Because if you learn and you learn the wisdom of God, you'll make wiser decisions in your life that affect eternity. Your future is being determined by your obedience to God today. And if you're not obedient to God today, that one day is going to cost you something in eternity. Oh, it can't cost you your salvation. You're not going to hell. But it's going to cost you something. And yet, how many days does most people really waste in their life? And every day is a day that you could have bought something with some words of wisdom, if you've understood. Maybe made better decisions. So important. But he says in verse 15, Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. So it doesn't matter what other people say and do, you can still be at peace because you learned some words of wisdom. You've learned how to trust the Lord, not to worry about things. And then he says here in verse 19, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Our God knew what he was doing. He wants us to know what he's done and why he's done it. Look there in chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, and get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. Wonderful, wonderful things that we have here in this book. Here we have an illustration that is used in the book of Proverbs. If there's anybody who knew and understood women, I guess Solomon was one of them. I guess you could say he was an expert. He had 700 wives and 300 porcupines, concubines. And it was one of the reasons why God, you know, split the kingdom after he died. Because of all his shenanigans. And yet God said he was the wisest man that ever lived. Nobody has ever been smarter than this guy. Uh, but he had wisdom like no man has ever had. And he wanted to learn everything he could. And some of the things he learned were not the things he should have learned. And some of the decisions he made was not the decision he should have made. I guess he was what they call a Don Juan. A Don Juan. I had this one kid and he thought he was God's gift to the women. And I says, you must be Don Juan. And he kind of smiled. I says, that's because they don't want you no more. But... Anyway, in chapter 7 of the book of Proverbs, he talks about, in verse 5, a strange woman. That woman in verse 5 is different from the woman in verse 4. God says there's two houses, and in these two houses there's two women. And there's the woman who is the woman of the world, and there's the woman that is of God. But it's referring to wisdom, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. And in spite of maybe explaining this, I would venture to say that some of you will not understand what this illustration is all about. It is about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God, and God is using two women in two different houses as an illustration. Did you understand what I just said? 
so that when you read this, you'll say, okay, this is the bad woman, this is the good woman. The bad woman is the humanistic philosophy of the world. And the good woman is the wisdom of God. And they're both after you. And here you are, a simple-minded man passing through life. And the wisdom of the world is luring you. And so it says here in verse 5, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. See, wisdom and understanding will keep you from the strange woman. The knowledge of God's word, the wisdom, will keep you from the wisdom of the world. But if you don't know that wisdom, this wisdom will get you. If you don't find the right woman, the wrong woman is waiting for you. He says in verse 7, And behold, uh, among the simple ones I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. He didn't have understanding. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. I always teach that it's better to try to stay away from the, you know, the edge so that you don't fall over the edge. My little rules and regulations that I have are simply to try to help people not to cross over a boundary that God set. So I set a few that keeps you from doing and breaking the one that God set. You can break mine. But if you do, you wind up breaking God's because you're going to get too close. At my house in verse 6, he says, I looked out. And I saw this in verse 8. And he went the way to her house. So there's a woman who has a house. This man who's void of understanding, he went the wrong direction, got on the wrong road. Starts looking for the wrong thing. And whenever you uh, start running from the Lord, you can bet your bottom dollar somebody's there to help you get further and further away from the Lord. There's always somebody. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, in verse 10, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, and subtle of heart. See, she was dressed a certain way. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her like a martin to a gourd. And as an ox goeth to the what? Ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stock. Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare. And you ought to underline this, knoweth not that it's for his life. See, I am fighting for your life more than you will ever know. Because if I can't win you with the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the world will get you. Because you'll think and reason things out logically in your own mind and you'll yield to your own understanding. And you won't compare it with what God says. And the choices that you'll make in life will be in direct ratio to the caliber of the wisdom that you have. That's why you have to be careful. Talks about here in verse 27, and you ought to underline these two words. Her house. Her house. It leads you in the wrong direction. That's the wisdom of the world. This is the humanistic philosophy of man. And that's why you're always comparing what God said with what man says or even how you think. Look there in chapter 8 and look down in verse 11. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to her. There's nothing you can really compare to the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The wisdom of the world is to love sin. The pleasures of this life. And you can get so caught up with a lot even of just good things. But these are choices that everybody has to make. Nobody can make them for you. You are free to choose and be something for God or you're free to ruin your life. Serving God is your choice. Amazing grace amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.